Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and on behalf of Fred and all of us here at the Pet Place Radio Show, our hearts go out to everyone who has pets and may have lost them or may still be searching for them after the recent terrible Southern California fires. Please don't give up hope and continue checking rescue groups and shelters. And if you've found a lost pet, you should contact an animal shelter as soon as possible, um, potentially turn in that animal because owners who are looking for their pets are going to be checking shelters, and your, the pet you found may have traveled a very long distance before ending up with you. So thank you for being a good Samaritan, but the best place for a found pet is an animal shelter. That's where pets get reunited. And I'd also like to talk a little bit, too, about what pet owners should do in the event of disasters. I know we've talked about this before, but these recent fires have brought everything into the forefront and I know so many people say yeah we'll get around to taking care of that eventually and then a disaster strikes and no preparations have been made. It's really important to have an evacuation kit ready to go at home and develop an evacuation plan for all of your animals and practice the plan. If you live in an apartment make sure your animals are on record with the management and are able to evacuate via stairs, and dogs should be taught to go up and down the stairs um, to better assist rescue personnel. Um, Keep written directions to your home near your telephone, because a lot of times when you're panicked, you forget where you live and how to get there. So do everything you need to do to make sure that your pets are okay in the event of a disaster. We have a really interesting show for you today. We have some very wonderful guests. We have Jerry Taxter of Ferrets Anonymous, uh, can't say that word apparently, Ferrets Anonymous, who will be talking about ferrets and some issues relating to these little guys. And we will also be speaking with Maria Dales from German Shepherd Rescue. So stay tuned and we will be right back on AM 540 and 1260 here on the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and with me today is Jerry Taxter from LegalizeFerrets.com. Hi, Jerry. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so well, and I'm thrilled that you could be here today. Can you tell me a little bit about your organization? Legalize Ferrets uh, is uh, an organization that was uh, begun a few years back in order to get legislation passed to legalize ferrets in the state of California. So ferrets are illegal in California? Well, they're sort of in a gray area, but technically, yes, they are illegal in that uh, they are not recognized as a domestic animal. Uh-oh, I have a lot of law-breaking friends, I think. <laughs> <laughs> as do as we all do, I Yeah, think. yeah, we won't tell. <laughs> oh, good. So um, why are ferrets illegal in California as pets? Tell me a little bit about that background. Well, the um, Fish and Game has decided that... Uh, Ferrets are a threat to agriculture should they become feral. Uh, Even though there is no uh, feral ferret population in the United States or, for that matter, elsewhere in the world, uh, domestic ferrets just don't go feral. They're domestic. 
from what I understand, if a, a pet ferret escapes, um, it has little or no chance of surviving in the wild, unlike its um, wild species counterparts. Um, is that true? That's correct. Uh, ferrets uh, become prey for cats, dogs, possums, uh, raccoons, wh whatever's out there that uh, needs a meal in a hurry. So they really don't stand a chance of uh, becoming a breeding colony of escaped domestic ferrets that'll wreak havoc on everyone like Fish and Game is trying to make everybody believe. That's correct. Uh, there's no, there, like I said before, there is no recorded domestic uh, fer uh, fer feral ferret population. That's hard to say. Say that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like me. I stumble on words all the time. I was trying to say ferrets anonymous and couldn't get that out. And uh, here I am. I'm talking on radio. <laughs> but tell me, how many states actually have laws prohibiting uh, ferrets as pets? Uh, two. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, California and? Hawaii. Oh, well, that makes sense. Hawaii doesn't like any animal, I don't think. Uh, well, with good reason. Yeah. Uh, introduced animals have uh, become a problem over there. And they've really devastated a lot of the indigenous species. So that's understandable. But California, what's going on there? Why are they so headstrong in keeping this? very, very old legislation on the books. Uh, well, um, I really couldn't give you a good answer for that. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Uh, Kawamura, who is the head of the uh, California Department of Food and Agriculture, he uh, has made it a pet project, I think, for him to keep the ferret uh, illegalized. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, they make wonderful little pets. They they aren't dangerous at all, no more than the average dog or cat. Um, from what I understand, they've, you know, as pets, you know, here in California, obviously, even though they're undercover pets, they haven't caused the problems that um, Fish and Game and the Agricultural Department believe they would cause. So why do you think this is a pet project for this person? Um, I think that it stems from a, a very flawed uh, suppositional uh, study that was done um, several years ago, probably more than 25, 30 years ago, that um, the study said claimed that ferrets would be a problem should they escape and establish colonies and um, they would uh, ruin agriculture. I, I don't know, I haven't seen any carrot or broccoli eating ferrets. And <laughs> Uh, there's certainly no match for uh, any larger animal. Yes. You know, 48 other states that allow ferrets as pets, um, have you heard of these problems in any of the other 48 states? No, there is no, there oh. is no problem uh, in any of the states. <laughs> hmm, something fishy here. You know, I have also heard, too, that the Department of Fish and Game is concerned about ferrets possibly going out and decimating um, wild bird egg, or nests, rather, getting into the eggs. Um, have you heard anything about this? Well, this is, this is one of the premises, yes, and it, it's certainly flawed. It just doesn't happen. It, no, it hasn't happened yet. Because, as I said, clearly lots of people here in California have ferrets as pets, and um, I'm sure occasionally ferrets get loose, as do uh, most pets that people keep, and, and yet we're not seeing the problems that the Department of Fish and Game claims will happen. So my question to you then is, we need to change this ridiculous law. How can people make a difference and make a change? 
Uh, a letter writing campaign uh, would be would be good. However, uh, as I as I said before, Mr. Uh, Kawamura has decided that no matter what, uh, he is not going to allow ferrets uh, in in uh, California. But he has to answer to a higher source, doesn't he? Well, he does. Um, actually, um, Governor Davis allowed uh, veterinarians in 2002 passed a law in September of 2002 passed a law that would allow veterinarians to uh, treat ferrets uh, here in the state. Oh, well, um, that's good. And uh, so um, I just don't understand. I, I mean, I can't give you an answer. I wish I could, but I, I, I have no clue as to why these animals are, are considered dangerous. It's, it's very interesting because our governor here in California actually made a movie where he had a little sidekick that was a ferret. So you would think that he might have a little soft soft spot in his heart for these very cute little animals. And, and yet, has he done anything to help with this cause? Not really. What, what has happened um, with uh, Governor Schwarzenegger is uh, a, a proposition was put forth, forth to him um, several, uh, let's see, two years ago, I believe, uh, prop, uh, AB 89, I think it was, um, in which he uh, would have legalized ferrets for for people to keep here in the okay. state, but he vetoed it when oh, it got no. to his desk. What was his reason for that? He gave no reason. Oh, that's frustrating, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, um, I suppose people can write their representatives and possibly even write the governor. Um, what else do you recommend? Well, right now, uh, Ferrets Anonymous is um, doing a white paper, what's called a white paper, which is uh, going to give our reasons for wanting to uh, change the law and to uh, legalize ferrets. This is going to be sent to each of the 80 assembly members and the 40 state senators. Uh, in this letter, um, our reasoning and, and our request will be outlined and, and uh, presented to them. Okay, and if um, our listeners wanted to give their support to this cause, can you um, tell us what your website is? Yes, uh, the website for legalizing ferrets is legalizeferrets.org. Okay. Uh, that, uh, you can get all the information as well as contact telephone number on that uh, website uh, and uh, how to go about joining. Um, to join Legalize Ferrets, is, it's a $10 uh, fee and or more, of course. Uh, I like to give money regularly uh, okay. when I can uh, because I really do believe in this uh, Project. Okay, and nobody has to worry about uh, joining this and then having somebody knock at their door and have their little ferret taken away, right? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so it's a safe site that you could go to if you're a ferret owner and, and you don't have to divulge that you have a ferret. Just um, join up and, and volunteer and help out and do whatever you can. Actually, many people who don't own ferrets uh, agree with, with this and have joined uh, this club. So. And I'm definitely in that group. I strongly support removing the legislation that makes owning a ferret illegal. It's long overdue and we need to make some changes. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for coming down here today and You're talking welcome, to us about this, what I consider a very important topic. And again, your website is? Uh, www.legalizeferrets.org. Very good. Well, listeners, um, stay tuned. We'll be right back on AM 540 and 1260 here on the Pet Place Radio Show.
welcome back to Pet Place Radio Show on AM 540 and 1260. I'm very pleased today to have Maria Dales from German Shepherd Rescue with us. Hi, Maria. How are you doing? I'm great, Marie. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. It's been far too long since we've talked. It has, and thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. I just want to tell the world about German Shepherd Rescue because it's actually one of my favorite rescue organizations. But why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what your organization is and what you do? I'd be happy to. I'm very proud of our group as well, and we appreciate your vote of confidence. We are an all-volunteer organization. We started approximately two years ago, um, incorporated, and we are a nonprofit that rescues, rehabilitates, and rehomes purebred German Shepherd dogs. Oh, wow. So we have our hands full, as you can imagine. There's an awful lot of German Shepherds out there that need to find new homes by no real fault of their own. Now, why is that, Maria? Why do you German Shepherds end up uh, all of a sudden needing a family? You know, Marie, it's a complicated equation, but I would say primarily it's because people haven't done their research correctly when they're selecting a dog in the first place. German Shepherds are wonderful, fabulous family companions, but they're not for everyone, and mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't advocate them for everyone. Uh, you really need to look at your lifestyle and what your expectations are from a dog. Plus, anytime you're evaluating a, an addition of a dog, you need to look at what that dog's personality, health, different quirks, uh, the breed standards, all of those good things have to weigh into your decision. And I think most people don't take the time to review any of that before they get any kind of dog, do they? Unfortunately, that is the case, and that's why we see so many homeless pets of all breeds. People have uh, expectations of one thing, and then they end up with this beautiful, powerful dog that has needs of its own, and they're not necessarily equipped to meet those needs. Now, I think the real key with um, having a German Shepherd in your family is making sure you socialize it properly. And and that has to be done consistently, or you're going to end up with big trouble. Indeed. Um, They are not dogs that people should throw in the backyard. I don't think any dog should spend its <laughs> life in the backyard. I've I've had a couple of German Shepherds in my life, and they've spent most of their time on my bed. And, uh, of course, my um, most recent German Shepherd, which I actually got from you, yeah. <laughs> uh, he tried to be a lap dog. Of course. Of course, he, he only could fit his front two paws in my lap. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, frankly, they, they are pack animals, like mm-hmm. all dogs are. And German Shepherds in particular thrive on that human companionship and leadership. They really need that mm-hmm. in order, if, if it's the appropriate thing to say, to feel fulfilled. It's an innate need that they have. They don't know why they need it, but they need to bond with their human. And the socialization, as you mentioned, is so vital. It's just so vital because they don't know what the boundaries are unless you teach them what the boundaries are. They just think they're doing a good job protecting their family or their yard or their home. And they're extremely intelligent. They just need the guidance and the skills to be able to do what you want. And once you show them what you want, they're happy to do that for you. And that's why they're selected as service dogs, as police dogs, Mm -hmm. as, you know, search and rescue dogs, as narcotics dogs, all of that good stuff because of the intellect. Now, you need to keep a busy mind and a busy body like that active or you're going to have an unhappy dog. And an unhappy dog, yeah, you know what an unhappy dog can be, like barking, digging, chewing, escaping the yard, causing all sorts of, uh, you know, havoc. But it's not really the dog's fault. It, once again, goes back to did the owner, you know, correctly identify what the family and the situation needed. So a German Shepherd really isn't for 
somebody who's hardly ever home. That's a fact. You I need, would say that. You need to be there so that you could, you know, play with them and hang out with them and go running with them and play tug with and exactly. all those good things. Now, a lot of people say German Shepherds don't make good pets with small children, but I've always had German Shepherds around my kids, and, and we never had a problem. Of course, you know, we always made sure everybody was supervised, and the kids always knew the rules, like no pulling tails or ears. and Reaching in full bowls. That sort like of that. thing. How do you feel about German Shepherds with children? I think they make marvelous uh, family pets. I really do. I think it's all about educating the children in the home as well. And I have to tell you that when we place a dog through our organization, we're very careful about making the right match. If we don't know a dog's background, we won't put it in a home with children. You know, we need to make sure that that dog is safe with children. And that's understandable, yes. But I would say, you know, most of us grew up with German Shepherds. Now, granted, our parents gave the dogs their their instructions and their teaching, so we don't know what the training was like, but mm-hmm. the dogs were very, very good with children. You hear the stories of them giving their lives for kids and laying down in front of doors or in front of traffic. Uh, the dogs innately know that the children are the quote-unquote smaller sheep to protect. That is so true, Maria. I had a, a German Shepherd when um, my oldest daughters were very little and we used to go to a river pretty regularly, and the the girls would go wading into the river. And my dog, uh, Sheena was her name. When she would see them going into the river, even though they were just a few feet in front of me and her, mm-hmm. she would just start whining and crying. She hated for them to get away from her and in what she considered a potentially dangerous place. And she would actually, if I would let her go, she would go back and she would herd my daughters back over to me out of the water. It was hysterical. Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but that's again their their instinct is telling them to do that. And you know, I have to mention that we every now and then we get a, a person surrendering a dog to us call in and say, you know, I have to give up this dog. It's nipping at my children's heels. It's it's trying to bite my children's heels. And I have to explain to them, no, your dog is behaving as a herding breed dog. Your dog is concerned about your children, and it's trying to reroute that child from whatever it's doing and uh-huh. get it back into the pack or into a safe. Situation, So that is not biting. That is a hurting instinct. Yeah, and it's, it all goes back to what we were talking about, understanding the breed before you get it. Precisely, precisely. But they do make marvelous pets, uh, you know, with proper leadership. And I think that's something we could talk about too, Marie. No one knows that better than you, you know, from your training experience. Um, German Shepherds need pack order. They need to know there's a leader in the pack. Otherwise, they're so smart they think they can take over the oh, pack. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. They just need to know their boundaries, mm-hmm. and they need to know what's expected of them. No needs to meet no, and things need to be consistent and routine and, you know, unified among the family members, I guess I would say. Absolutely. I think that's a big problem, too, is um, in families, you'll have one person who lets a, a pet get away with just about everything, and then another person in the family who's very strict and then all of a sudden you start having problems and nobody knows why. And it's yep. because of that inconsistency among family members. Precisely. And the dog can't tell you that it's confused. The way it's telling you is acting out, you know, by, as we said, the digging, the chewing, the barking, whatever. That is how a dog expresses itself because it can't tell you what's wrong. Oh, boy. And people just need to realize those are the signs, those are the indicators. Now, can people get help from your organization if they're having behavioral problems with a German Shepherd so that they don't give it up in a shelter or a rescue? Sure. What we would do, Marie, we don't profess to be professional trainers nor veterinarians. We are enthusiasts who just have a profound love of this breed. 
Um, but we would refer them to some very, very good trainers that we've worked with ourselves. We would refer them to experts in whatever the arena is. And, you know, I think you make a good point. More times than not, the situations can be resolved through training, 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 or a change in something in the environment that is causing the uh, undesirable behavior. That That is so important because, I, you know, it just breaks my heart to see these beautiful animals um, in shelters and in rescue organizations. They should have a stable home. And, you know, even though you guys place your animals into new homes and hopefully um, permanent homes, it's really hard on a dog to go from one house to another. And in some cases, these dogs have been recycled multiple times. and, And it's just very, very difficult for them to adjust. Particularly a shepherd. Shepherds are loyal. They ever, they are known for their loyalty. You know, you can get into a debate about anthropomorphizing all you like, but I, I personally, having worked with this breed for 15 years, feel that they do um, experience loss and sorrow. I think that they do feel, you know, abandoned when, when they lose a home. And I think it is very hard for them to adjust. However, as we said, they're so bright and with good leadership and good direction, they do quickly bond with their new families. Right, so. and a lot of love and attention, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Maria, we should probably give all of your contact information in case anybody wants to get involved either volunteering or possibly adopting a, a German Shepherd. Why don't you give out oh, all that Oh, that would be awesome. Okay. Absolutely. Well, the best way to get information is to go to our website, which I'm quite proud of. Let me repeat it a couple times. It's www.com. GSROC.org. That's www.gsroc.org. So you'll find comprehensive information there, and you can always give us a call uh, if you like on our cell, on our phone seven one four seven seven three five nine one five. That's seven one four seven seven three five nine one five. We are German Shepherd Rescue of Orange County. However, we serve all of the greater Southern California area. So we'd be happy to help someone find a new friend uh, or add another friend to their family. Oh, you know, Maria, um, I I just thought of something. And before we we hang up here and uh, go to a break, can you please tell me, um, have you guys experienced any consequences from uh, the recent fires we've had here in Southern California? You know, we have, Marie, in, in a little bit different way than you think we might. Uh, we are not currently getting requests to take in actual fire dogs. In fact, what's happening is we're being contacted by all of the local shelters who are asking us to take in any dogs that are already in the shelter on available row so that the the cages can be used for the fire dogs. The fire dogs need to be held for their owners to retrieve them, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to alleviate the strain on the shelters by pulling every available German Shepherd that we can. So you probably need some foster homes pretty quick. We need foster homes (laughs) desperately. We need sponsors who can help offset the cost of boarding and vet care. A lot of the dogs don't come in in perfect health, and, you know, we nurse them back to help them get, get them where they, they're feeling much better. So we're always looking for fosters. We're always looking for sponsors. We're always looking for volunteers. It's a great organization. I'm very, very proud of it. And uh, we place about 300 dogs a year. So wow. I had no idea, Maria. Yeah. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks. Okay, but, listeners, um, if you're available and you have a, a place in your house for a foster dog or you just want to volunteer or even contribute, uh, Maria, give your website one more time. Okay, it's German Shepherd Rescue Orange County. So it's www.g is in German, s is in shepherd, r is in rescue, 
OC.org. Excellent. Okay, we've been speaking with Maria Dales. I've been happy to talk to her. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be right back again on AM 540 and 1260 here on the Pet Place Radio Show. Thank you, Marie. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and we're here on 540 and 1260 on your AM dial. I'd like to tell you all about an event that's coming up on November 13th. It's the quarterly general meeting of the Saddleback Valley Humane Society and SPCA. This is a nonprofit group that provides support for pets and their owners in several forms. This will be at 7 p.m. at the Norman P. Murray Community Center in Mission Viejo. If you're interested in volunteering with the Saddleback Humane Society and coming to the meeting, give a call to 949-262-5859. And I hope um, all of you enjoyed hearing from our guests today. I certainly enjoyed having all of them here in the studio. I also wanted to let everyone know that Fred is having a somewhat difficult time recovering from his back surgery some of you may have noticed that it's been many months since Fred has been on the show. And as you could probably imagine, this has been emotionally very difficult for him. But I will tell you this, your emailed messages to him make a world of difference. So please send him your Get Well Thoughts at tpetplace at earthlink.net. He loves reading your cards and well wishes, and it really is the very best medicine for him. And if you can't get enough of the Pet Place on the radio, remember we have a TV program also on KDOC. Check your local listings to find us. We're on every Sunday morning at 6.30 a.m. Also, if there are any subjects or guests that you'd like to hear on the Pet Place radio show, please write and tell me. You can reach me by email at jafari at fia.net, and that's spelled J-E-F-A-R-I at F-E-A dot N-E-T. You can also read my pet columns in the Orange County Register at www.ocregister.com. Just zip on over to the Life section and look for Animal Files. Well, that's about all we have for you today. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back next Saturday on AM 540 and 1260. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 